What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash Tales from Tech Support. Not much in the way of cat action going on today. Uh, I've got one behind me on the bed sleeping. Uh, he's a little hard to see. He's uh, he's dark. So, anyway, glad to have you all join while I read some of these tech support stories, and uh, let's get to it. Yep, these go together. I had an intern. I can kind of tell he's just somewhat into it because his parents think it's a good direction for him to do something slash anything. He was kind of annoying to deal with at times. All he had under his belt was some kind of intro to Network Plus course. Like, it doesn't even get you to a point where you can pass the exam. You just get some kind of certificate of completion from the school. So, whenever I wasn't actively teaching him, I put him on organizing some equipment. He showed me a cable while he was organizing and was like, Uh, this is VGA, right? Me. Uh, no, that's serial. We don't see him that often anymore. Kind of before your time. It kind of looks like a VGA, though, so I can totally understand why you might get it confused. I didn't really think much more of it at the time. I was busy putting out a fire. Fast forward to today. Intern is gone. I'm correcting some of the chaos that was in his wake. I find a box of cables labeled Serial Slash VGA Cables. Okay, I'm a little lost on this one. Uh, is it because he lumped them all together in one box? I mean, like you said, you told him that you don't see many serial cables anymore. I don't know. I mean, at least he wrote it on the box that both types were in there. It's funny, currently one of my sons is going through online learning for Python. And uh, he's had the intro course before, but it got stuck on a loop, whatever class this was that he was taking. And it just kept looping over and over, you know, going back over the same stuff. It wasn't saving his progress. He kept having to start over at the beginning. And I was like, ah, oh, screw that. So uh, I got him onto a new course. We'll see how it goes. It's really just a certificate course, just like this guy was talking about. But I'm trying to give him something to get started on uh, because self-learning is better than no learning. He's just finishing up high school. He'll be dual enrollment, taking some college classes. And uh, I'm hoping to get him into... He, he seems to like programming. He thinks he does anyway. I don't know. I mean, time will tell. I, there was a lot of things that I thought I would enjoy that I really didn't when I started taking classes and things like that. So uh, I hope he does enjoy it. It's a good field to be in. Uh, you kind of got to enjoy being by yourself, being a hermit, which I'm pretty sure he does. <laughs> and he's listening to this episode. So uh, he'll totally relate and he'll tell me if I'm right or wrong. But I think he likes being by himself with his headphones on and just kind of tapping away at the keyboard. So it'll be a good fit if he can stick with it and uh, hopefully learn a little more than this other intern did. We'll see. The too long story of the too technically illiterate user. I've been doing volunteer tech writing for a website since 99 and have authored a few eBooks sold on Amazon. I like helping non-tech people with tech stuff to make it easier for them to digest and help increase their productivity. I've been doing PC slash Mac tech support since 2012. Recently, I started working for a county government agency with multiple buildings and users of various backgrounds. I side graded in that I went from supporting one building with users to four buildings. <laughs> Boy. I chose to be at one of the more popular buildings because I know they have more users in need. Recently, I encountered a user who's been there 15 years but somehow is tech illiterate. There were small tickets here and there, but on my last visit, I noticed that his work-issued laptop still had Internet Explorer on there. I hadn't seen that on anyone's laptop before. A quick check for warranty status and it expired a few years ago. I'm all about still using old tech, but to make it easier, I just requested a replacement for him. Now, I understand when you have your own cubicle, you kind of make your own rules. However, I wasn't prepared for the amount of sunflower seed shells on the desk, on the laptop, and on the floor. 
I started bringing over my own keyboard and mouse specifically for working with him. In his little world, he must have blocked everyone else out though because he had no clue on how to log into Teams. I'm setting him up with a loner and even after a few restarts, he had the desktop background, the taskbar, and the Teams window. That was it. I asked him to log in and he didn't know how to do it. <laughs> he was clicking on the start menu, the search field, not the blatantly obvious login screen in front of him. Even asking him, what do you see in front of you? He still couldn't identify the Teams login. Prior to this, he had a printer issue. I got him set up with a network printer after he wanted me to map his USB printer, <laughs> which couldn't be put into the mode to get the latest firmware. And when doing a test page, he couldn't follow my instructions even when telling him what to click on the screen. Some questions and statements were interrupted by him asking me another question or just random sentences. With all that going on, that's when I started to lose my cool. First, I just had to excuse myself while I went back to my desk, called my soup, both my soups are awesome and make working there completely worth it, and explain how difficult it was to deal with him. My soups are understanding, but they're more focused on customer service. Having worked in retail, I get it. But years of abuse in retail has caused me to grow a backbone. Or a tumor, I still can't tell. It's not a tumor. The lead tech gave me advice on how to handle it. How to smooth things over, when to reach back out to them if things got more involved. He also said that he himself and other techs have been there and always had a problem with this guy. So I had that going for me. So I went back over to my user and asked him to do other things to get set up on the loaner. Click this, click that, and he didn't get it. I finally said, I honestly think it would benefit you to take a non-credit computer course to learn this and stay up to date. I told him I would get back with him again, but he had already ratted on me for what I said, which I didn't find out about until a week later when I was told he no longer wanted me to assist him with anything technical. Not my problem, bud. I'm the only tech for the four buildings. If you want someone else, you get in your car and drive to another building. My main soup chewed me out a bit, in a much kinder fashion, days after my tech lead gave me guidance on how to handle things, involving this guy and another older guy who acted entitled to everything. Move the dongle from your original computer to the loaner? Is there a reason you can't do that or don't know how? I thought it, but I moved it without saying anything. Again, they're more focused on image and customer service as the primary aspect, at least from my point of view. But during our meeting, I told the guy, soup's name. The only window there was the team's login and he didn't know what it was. He didn't know how to log in, which was followed by a long pause on his end. I told him how I blame HR for this, as they must be assuming that any new hire knows how to use Windows. Side note, since I've been doing tech support, I tell the people I support about my principles and beliefs. One, we all come into this world not knowing anything. Two, we only know what we're exposed to. Three, the knowledge you get is only as good as the training and materials provided. If you have guides written by text for techs, normal users will have difficulty understanding it. If your training video isn't written from the lowest common denominator, you can't expect every reader to grasp your instructions. If your teaching method shows impatience and feels rushed, the students will suffer. So I never put myself above anyone and I never make anyone feel bad for coming to me with a problem. It goes back to treating people the way I would like to be treated. But I understand the users I support don't have those same manners and I have to tolerate it. I even tell people that sometimes I have to repeat instructions multiple times to get something, proving that I'm not immune to difficulties in learning. Because they wanted to smooth things over and not have the guy go to another building just for tech support, which I also don't want to force him to go elsewhere, I had to apologize to him. When I went over, I was told how we were getting him a hotspot since he has no internet service at home, then apologized by saying how I prided myself on working with those technically challenged, <laughs> but obviously have been proven that I need more skills, which is partially true. I will never admit to being perfect at anything because there will always be room for improvement, and I want to have a goal within reach. Most times he looked at me, but other times he just side-eyed me. 
just to possibly appease me and get the apology out of the way. Yesterday I had a ticket sent to me by someone who got a suspicious email and clicked a link to fill out a form before they quit the app or tab realizing it may have been a scam. I worked with the guy and got his laptop re-imaged today, and he brought me Chick-fil-A from his other work location. Score. I reached out to the tier 3 person who brought the issue to my attention and provided a positive update. I told him about the difficult user I had who didn't like me, and his technical illiteracy. I also mentioned how someone with his lack of skills may easily fall for a similar scam and expose data by clicking on the wrong link or similar. I mentioned how I knew some people at my previous job got fired for consistently failing phishing scam tests, and how sometimes the question is, how difficult would it be to have someone else replace me? Compared to one entitled user I have to work with occasionally, I would rather work with a technically challenged user and get him up to speed. At this point, his days may be numbered if we do security tests or have the users take computer aptitude tests, which is unlikely, but would be nice to have. I think I'll probably end up with diabetes soon from dealing with this guy. Diabetes. Then walking to the convenience store for comfort food and junk food so that I can calm down. Wow, there's a lot going on here. So this guy, he may be tech illiterate, but there's a bigger, deeper problem going on here. When people hit a certain age, it seems like, and I'm probably pushing that age really hard right now, they tend to get set in their ways and become a bit of a Karen. They, they or Kevin, whatever the case may be. They really don't like change. They want things done their way. They want to be comfortable. They don't want to learn anything new. And if you try to teach them something new, they'll just claim that you're treating them like they're stupid. Uh, it's a no-win situation, really. I got to say that, you know, while I'm talking about older people, it's not just us older people. I found that a lot of younger people don't want to learn new things either. They think they know everything and uh, they can be spoiled and entitled too. So I don't know where I was heading with this, but there's a lot of entitled and spoiled people out there. And if this guy can't even follow enough directions to know that he needs to log into the screen that's in front of him or the window that's in front of him, that sounds like either intentional obstinance or I don't know, something. That's not just being illiterate, though. That's that's just being bullheaded. Tech illiterate staff are exhausting. The scenario. A small business I work with remotely had a power outage that caused a hardware failure at a local server. It handles the point of sale, software, and shared files. This meant the client computers couldn't connect to the POS, but they still had email and internet because the server doesn't handle that. I don't think the staff understand what the server does and or that it is located at their business. I also believe they think the shortcut on their desktop is the point of sale. First I get an email asking if deleting a shortcut will delete the point of sale. I try to remote into the server and it is offline. So I call them explaining how to check if the server computer is powered on. I explain how to manually power cycle it. After a few calls and emails back and forth, I say that I think the computer is broken and needs to be repaired. I then get an email that says we can access the internet and email on our workstations but still can't connect to the point of sale. So a few more emails later and I think. I hope, they understand that the point of sale software is on the server as well as all their shared files. When I get an email saying they're taking the server into a local repair shop, at my request since I'm remotely helping them at this point, they then ask me which computer they're taking in, the small router or the mini ATX case computer. I had a good laugh at that one. An hour goes by and I get an email. We rebooted our computer and still can't connect to the point of sale. So I asked if the repair shop fixed the server and they powered it back on. No, that computer's still at the shop being fixed. Ugh. I found a new respect for those who have to deal with this on a daily basis. For sure, it's gotta be frustrating. I wouldn't expect everybody to know what the server is or where the server is and things like that. But somebody in that office should know something. It's funny, we had a communications guy. Uh, he worked for a bigger company in the area. And when we built commercial buildings, 
we had the telecom guys. They were totally separate. Then we had the data guys who would come in and wire the whole building with Cat5 at the time, Cat5, uh, then Cat5e and so on. And sometimes coax, depending on how old their technology was or what they what equipment they had running. But there was always at least one guy on site who had like a little binder, I guess. And this tech guy was great. He would set up the whole binder. In the back, it would have all the equipment manuals and warranty papers and things like that. He didn't need it, but it needed to be on site so that if somebody else came in, they could, you know, take care of business with their equipment. But that way, if they got remote help from somebody, there was at least one person in that office or that building that could go in and power cycle the server, power cycle the router, the modems, whatever. And the rest of the time, that room just needed to stay temperature controlled and locked. There was no reason for almost anybody to be in there except this one guy. And if he couldn't handle it, then we had techs come in. But I just can't believe that there's not one person who doesn't know anything. It's just insane. RJ11 cable to RJ45 port. Is that even possible? This site, as the title suggests, uses a fax line cable directly to an Ethernet port for sending and receiving faxes on their printer. They also don't have a dedicated RJ11 port for faxing. They do, and use a fax server. I'm, what? I'm confused! I'm confused right now, G! This has been an issue for two years. I was forced to replace the fax card twice with a new cable each time. They even got a free printer replacement out of this. I let them know after installing the new printer that this will not fix the issue. Got another service request for bad quality faxes and fax issues of not sending or receiving faxes intermittently. The on-site techs refused to get a RJ11 to RJ45 adapter. I would prefer they just unplug the line from the fax modem and use the ethernet cable and port that's already being used by the printer. Then set the printer up on the already existing fax server. Now I get it, okay. So they're, they're half-assing it with the cable. They already have a fax server all they got to do is connect it properly and set it up. And somebody could probably do that for them in less than an hour. So, holy cow. We're just going to keep piecemealing with these BS cables. Now, I'm not saying I've never been in the position where I've had to make things work. I've had headphone pins come off the end of cables from, you know, standing up and walking away, not realizing I still had headphones on. And I've had to splice wires together and things like that before. I've even taken some things and rewired them completely to make them work. And I, and I suck at soldering small items, trust me. But, you know, when you're in a pinch, fine. But then eventually you got to make it right. So, here we are. Sometimes death is the answer. The company I work for is old. My supervisor has worked at this company for 40 years. I hear upward momentum will be possible in the next five years or so. There are two classes of employees, the old guard who will never ever be fired for any reason, and the newbies, 10 years or less, who can get dismissed without an act of Congress. At the beginning of this rant and during the events therein, the help desk was averaging 50 to 90 tickets a day across four people, <laughs> and only maybe 15 of those were password resets and AD unlock requests. The rest of the problems came in waves with entire departments being knocked out of commission, seemingly at random, and the fixes sometimes needing two to three hours of repair. Most of these issues can be traced to a single person. Joe Schmo was a security engineer. He had been with the company for 33 years and has his fingers in every pie and system regardless of if he was supposed to. Yet I had to spend an hour getting around his own lack of permissions to install AD on his new laptop. Joe Schmo has caused the company a lot of headaches. If he was a character from Good Omens, he would be Witchfinder Pulsifer. Y'all are going to have to fill me in on that one down below. 
His last act as engineer was pushing forth a prod change that was only to affect 15 Linux users as a test. So of course, it instead made it so that whenever anyone opened a new browser tab on the Microsoft computers, their computer would crash and burn, some to an unrecoverable state. When the investigations were tracked back, it was found that the help desk had missed a step in the primary troubleshooting, and because it was Joe Schmo's program, it turned a false positive. So the blame was shifted to us, rather than the prod change that Joe put out. A few months later, Joe died in his desk at home. It was sad for those that knew him for their entire careers, but now it's been over a year and the HDQ has only gone over 40 tickets a day only twice since. More recently, the ancient hardware that allows the company to keep going had an awful fault that sent off alarms at 3 a.m. My boss, my team lead, everyone on slave salary was called in to mitigate the disaster. As I said before, this company is old and the equipment therein is even older. The backups we had waiting for this kind of thing also failed because they'd been sitting in a closet for 10 years. Wow. The permafix needed specialists and expensive custom machining to get parts fit to spec again. Somewhere around 4am, someone found the right combination of spit, duct tape, and paper clips to get the system stable enough to allow the company to operate. When doing an inspection to make sure nothing else was giving out signs of impending doom, they found one of the old guard in a lonely corner of a sub-basement. He had worked on this hardware for 50 years and potentially was part of the original install crew. He was cold and dead. What the hell you say? The time of death found to be when the machine started back up again. <laughs> oh my god. The hardware ran on that shoestring fix for two days until the specialty parts arrived with backups and maintenance procedures in tow. I'm pretty sure he gave his life to the company in more ways than one. And those old processors took the ultimate price to keep running and keeping our paychecks moving. I now feel even more justified in telling people that their systems broke or fixed themselves because of ghosts meddling with them. Oh my god. Okay, so while it is sad, people die, it's not a pleasant thing, it's not something we all look forward to or that we're all cheering for in most cases, but I have to agree that sometimes death is the answer. I've had problems with guys on job sites who, until they were either fired, quit, or died, there were non-stop problems that just wouldn't get resolved and we could never figure out why. And evidently it was because somebody taught this guy how to do something wrong or he did it wrong and somebody didn't catch him. And he just figured it was right the whole time and did his thing for 30 plus years. Not sure how we didn't catch it, but we didn't with certain people. I can't really name names, but he worked on fire sprinkler systems and every building that I finished had at least one sprinkler head pop off about a week after they took over and got their CO for their building and were in there operating. All of a sudden, a sprinkler head would fly off and it would trigger things. And at least, even if the pump didn't start going, sometimes it would start going on its own. But uh, most of the time, it was just whatever water was in the pipe because they were pre-pressurized. And that water is nasty between being stagnant in that pipe and the pipes being uh, filled with oil because... They're all coated in some kind of oil when they get sent out. Uh, it's just, what a mess, man. But that's the way it goes when you have old companies who have old people who've been around forever and uh, never really caught up with the times or moved on with modern technology. So there you go. Hey guys, YouTube thinks you're going to enjoy this video right here. So do me a favor and give it a click. See ya.